Ortex are an innovative and therefore much copied New Zealand company. They're close to our heart for both those reasons. They supply a great range of acoustic products and in this interview we will cover their history, their approach to design and development, plus a description of most of their products, all of which are available through STM Studio Supplies. So without further ado, all about Ortex. I've been with Ortex for coming on to, to four years now, um, so my background has always been in architectural specification in a variety of different products, but I've started with Ortex in an architectural specification capacity and that was selling, specifying rather, our interior acoustics products as well as our thermal products. So all of our products made from, from a polyester based product. Uh, the technical term is polyethylene trifathylate, which, uh, which, which is a bit of a mouthful, particularly if you've had a, a few sherbets under the belt. Literally, because I think a lot of that's sourcing from pet bottles, which soft drinks are coming in, isn't it? That's exactly right, and and uh, this is one thing that we certainly hang our hat on at at Ortex is that all of our products are made from from polyester, from PET fibres. So that's of course your milk bottles and you know plastics and things like that. So literally every year, uh, Ortex is stopping literally hundreds of thousands of tonnes of of plastic waste going into the oceans, going into landfill. It's, uh, it's coming back in the form of broken down PET fibres and we use that product to make, as a base ingredient, to make our thermal insulation, so the stuff that goes into your So, so your just a little bit about that process, Kit. I mean, obviously, hmm. you know, everyone dumps their pet bottles in the, in the recycle. What, what happens from there? Yeah, well, believe it or not, actually, those, there is some value in putting your, your plastics into the, the recycling bin every every week or every fortnight. So they do get separated and uh, they are taken to various companies that will break it down. So unfortunately, we don't, uh, we don't do any of that process here in Australia. It's all done in Asia. Um, but we send all, those, all that plastic over to South Korea, China, Vietnam, places like that. And they essentially just break it down into to very tiny fibres. And then we buy it back off of them. Um, and uh, but yeah, essentially, it just goes through that very simple process. It's ground down. It's broken down into uh, just very fine fibres, basically. Mm. Yeah, and, no, it's commendable. Uh, uh, what sort of percentage in a given product might that be? That recycled component. Oh, oh, in terms of recycled content, depending on the, I guess the the, the blend and the nature, it can be anywhere between sixty and eighty percent. Oh wow, that's quite high. And, and I noticed that you also have a, have a recycle, you know, like if, if you got bored with your quiet space or, or whatever you've got, got, you can send it back and you'll get it reprocessed? Yeah, that... absolutely. No, we, we do offer that, that service certainly here in Sydney, which is, which is where I am, of course, as well as in the other states. So we do, we probably don't get as many people taking it up as we'd like to, but so long as the insulation or whatever isn't full of glue and things like that, we can basically break it down we have a machine that will essentially just break it apart and it will get recycled and and put back into our system and, and used again to make a make another bat or something like that or uh, another type of panel yeah, it's certainly the way of the future essentially i think we're going to keep this planet alive <laughs> that's exactly right i mean for, for us here at our factory at weatherall park which is where i'm speaking to you from today even with off cuts so we, we do get in our uh, insulation we do get a bit of wastage, for want of a better term, but but essentially any of those offcuts, rather than being chucked into the bin, we can just feed them back into a machine which is called a reclaimer, and it just gets fed back into the system. Um, and we could probably do that about seven or eight times before fibre has been regenerated so much that it starts to become a bit weak. Okay, and it's cost effective that exercise. Obviously, you wouldn't be. Doing oh, absolutely. It. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, and because of the way our our plant is structured. Yeah, it, it certainly is cost-effective because you know you're not obviously having to buy the uh, the raw fibres. You can just reuse some of yeah, uh, so all that freight, all that, all that freight components gone. So that's that's cool. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, so um, yeah, so it it, it is uh, cost-effective in in a couple of aspects. Oh, so. wonderful. So now was this was this something that because right, obviously you've been around a little while. I mean, um, actually, how long has the company been around? Yeah, so Ortex started in 1967. It's a New Zealand company originally. And uh, the name Ortex is a shortened version of Auckland Textiles. <laughs> Funny. So, uh, 
Yeah, yeah. So I still look at the AU and I think it's an audio reference, like audio yeah, right. audio textile, but not at all. It's, it's, no, 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 no. So um, the company started in NZ uh, originally in, in Auckland, obviously, and it's always been pretty much a family concern. The Robinson family, uh, the gentleman by the name of David Robinson was the primary founder of Ortex back in 1967, so we celebrated our half century last year. He passed away about four years ago, and his son, Mark is the uh, the now uh, the captain of the ship, so to speak, and it is still very much a family concern. His two daughters are heavily involved in the business. Um, one's in marketing, and the others in manufacturing. So it's been a family concern, and it will always continue to be a uh, like that sort of family operation. I think. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, that's 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 wonderful, but it, you know, it's, it's getting increasingly global, and, and we'll look at that a little bit later. Mm. So, so what was the background that actually, and what was the first product? You know, what? How, oh, the, yeah. yeah. Well, the first product was um, actually um, insulation for engine bays in cars. Was one of the very first products. So it's where we started. Basically, was doing you know some form of uh, thermal insulation, and it was it was making insulation for engine bays in cars, and uh, always with polyester. And it very quickly diversified into different areas where we were doing uh, wadding for, for pillows and, and mattresses and things like that, blankets as well. So, so Mr. Um, Robinson Sr., his, his background was what? Was what? I mean, to, to, to... Uh, it's always been in manufacturing. I mean, he was actually a... Yeah, so it had always been in manufacturing, and that was broken up by a, a stint in the British Army when he was uh, in a, uh, the, the Suez um, conflict. But um, it's always been a strong manufacturing background, um, uh, textile manufacturing, essentially. Okay, that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, um, and as it very quickly diversified um, to even things like mattresses uh, in, in prisons. So, uh, so the, the, the infill that goes into those mattresses in, in prisons is, is actually like a polyester infill. So is, is that because of its <clears throat> microbiological advantages or is it just a, a cheap product to make? Um, no, no, certainly. Um, well, for that, that particular product, there are some advantages insofar as um, with polyester, like to use the, the, the prisons as an example, um, polyester, unlike other types of insulation, fiberglass and so on, it's, it, it, it's not, um, if you touch it, it's not going to cause skin irritation or anything like that. Um, also, if you try and put a, a light to it, the, 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 Polyester fibers actually shrink away from the flames, and uh, it's very durable as well uh, because it's made from essentially plastic. As we all know, plastic can float in the ocean for for decades and not break down. Um, Almost can... to a fault. <laughs> that, that's right. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. So um, the, the the thinking behind that is that uh, obviously you can use polyester, whether it's in a mattress or in a wall or in a ceiling, and it will last. Uh, for many, many years. But the advantage is when the time comes, if you wanted to recycle it, it can be recycled. But that's one of the advantages of using polyester is that, you know, it, it's not going to be harmful to, to touch, but it will also last for, for many, many years. Certainly our insulation has a 50-year uh, lifetime guarantee uh, not to break down or disintegrate. Okay, cool. So um, it, obviously then from the beginning, it wasn't so much about acoustic insulation although that seems to be the strength these days it was just about general fiber um manufacture and distribution at which point did the acoustic thing become more the focus of the company oh probably in the um uh in the mid 90s i think is when we really started to see a a move towards um our products being more of an acoustic treatment as well as uh, thermal, and the reason that came about is there was a lot of studies and white papers being done on um, the uh, effects of acoustics and noise in in different environments, uh, particularly in education, um, and you know issues around teachers being able to teach in a an environment that is uh, you know well treated acoustically, but also the learning implications for students in environments where there's poor acoustics. So probably in the mid-90s, that's when it um, it started to gain some momentum. And in 1998, we um, released a, a product called Composition, which is, a again, a polyester-based product. Its um, primary function is, is as a pin board, 
but it does actually have an acoustic rating to it as well. So it does help to absorb a lot of that reverberated sound and makes it a much more uh, ideal space to teach in for teachers and for students to be able to learn in. As yeah, well. certainly the one that, that brought me in, in touch with Autex and the, the range of products you've got. I mean, we've sort of fit out everything from, um, I think one of the classic ones we did with it was actually when a, a school hadn't enough space for rehearsal so we, we turned their corridor into a relatively um, reverb neutral environment just by covering the covering the walls with with the quiet space and then putting what we call clouds into the ceiling uh, again using your products so that the kids could be rehearsing outside a room and then go in for a one-to-one one one-to-one meeting or or, or or teaching thing and it worked a treat it was wonderful oh Absolutely, and look, we've seen we've seen that even extend beyond you know education and so on. And uh, um, I mean, you probably would see it yourself, Martin, when uh, when you're out eating or something like that. Uh, restaurants and cafes, um, they're being designed with you know a lot of those sexy, shiny surfaces, which which look great, but they sound terrible because uh, you think about it anywhere that's a non-porous surface, sound will not absorb; it'll just bounce around and. If you've been to a, a nice restaurant or something like that, but it's quite a busy night on a Friday or Saturday night or something like that, and you've got a full house, it is extremely noisy. And um, there's been lots of studies done on the physiological effects of acoustics in hospitality, like even um, to the point where if you eat a, a meal prepared in and you eat it in a room that is very noisy, you will perceive the taste a little bit differently than what you do if it's in a quieter restaurant or it's it's one that's probably a bit more acoustically treated. Oh, that's um, interesting. That's one that didn't come under my radar. I, I, I've certainly got a, a pet sort of peeve about noisy restaurants and bars. And oddly, I've found often the owners are quite enamoured with the, with the noise. They sort of think that, that buzz is sort of kind of good. Uh, it's like they almost don't use the environment as as we do and i think too um and relevant to all of this is that it's not just the patrons that are, are benefiting from a, a a better noise control in these situations it's the staff as well i mean there's, mm. there's, there's a lot of studies that i've come across relevant to teachers and 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 but not limited to teachers about how the the stress levels of of prolonged exposure to to high high levels of noise uh is, are really high and affect performance and and general health and well-being Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Look, and and yeah. There's there's there's. If you go on to to the net, there are countless studies where um, uh, even I think you you probably find if you dug deeply enough uh, lawsuits where teachers. Uh, there was a case that I'll and I, I won't be too specific because I can't remember exactly. But there was a a case where a teacher in Queensland um, successfully sued a an education body because she was made to work in an environment that uh, was not conducive to good acoustics and over the period of a year her voice had strained to the point where she'd done some permanent damage to her vocal cords uh, she found it hard to be able to teach and of course for a teacher their voice is their tool of trade much like a, for a plumber or a builder their hands are often their tool of trade and um, she was unable to teach anymore and she was compensated because of poor acoustics, essentially, is what it was. What it was brought down to. Well, that's interesting because your normal reaction when you think about, uh, you know, acoustic control is, is ear damage. But you know, yeah, that's that's an obvious cousin to that, or, or sister, really, or brother. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You know, the, the, the two are, are interlinked. Absolutely. Oh, very good. Now, so within that, obviously, you've now got a, a huge range of products. Well, not huge, but certainly significant range of products. Do you want to walk me through them? Maybe starting with the quiet space that you just mentioned. Yeah, sure. Well, that that comes under broadly what we call our interior acoustics products, and um, and in that we've got uh, uh, a range of, of wall coverings. So everything that can, anything that could be used in a uh, an education environment, um, as I touched on earlier, our composition product, uh, as well as uh, some more commercially uh, um, favourable kind of uh, wall covering products as well. Okay. So, so, so for those that are less familiar, the composition is the one with the um, Acoustically appropriate fabric on the front, and then the the polyester backing. Is that is that right? Correct. Yeah. That, that's exactly right. So, um, and it's got a uh, uh, the composition has a, a very nice um, high pile finish, as, as we call it. So it's pinnable. It's Velcro receptive as well. So um, so that's why it's geared perhaps a little bit more to uh, to education because, as well as being an acoustically rated product, it, it just gives you that versatility, and it's not just there as a a wall covering. It can be used to put 
notes and drawings and that kind of thing on. Yeah, total plus. And and so and then it's big big sister or if, if you want is is the is it symphony the one with the symphony? Yeah. yeah. So symphony is that more commercially um, uh, is designed more towards our. Uh, commercial markets, it, it doesn't have that. It's acoustically rated, um, but it doesn't have that high-pile finish like we find for, for composition. But it's still a, a very effective product nonetheless. So it still, still works as a pinboard, but it isn't Velcro compatible? Would that be? Correct. Yeah, that's okay, correct, good. yeah. Yeah, that's sort of how I, I saw it. But, and cleverly, you've got a, a range of the composition and sort of peel-and-stick DIY um, tiles. Yeah, that, that's right. So, um, And I probably should add at this point, so all of our products in, in our acoustics and thermal range, um, with two exceptions, are made here in Australia. Um, all of our thermal uh, insulation um, is manufactured uh, from one of our plants around the state, either in Perth, Brisbane, Sydney or, um, or, or in Melbourne. Um, all of our interior acoustics products um, are manufactured in our Melbourne plant as well. So um, we don't use a third party to make them for us. Um, we make that all in-house ourselves, so, which is good because obviously gives us better control in terms of quality over our product. We're able to control our lead times better and so on as well. So that's something that we hang our hat on because we have some other competitors who uh, they use um, other companies to make product for them, but, but we uh, manufacture our own products ourselves here in Australia. No, I'm all for that. Keep, keep the, uh, and I guess the same applies for New Zealand. Um, oh, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So they, um, so New Zealand as well, and um, they have a manufacturing hub in Auckland, but and they distribute all throughout uh, NZ, of course. And um, we have an office in uh, in the UK in Huddersfield, uh, and they do uh, some manufacturing there as well, as well as in the United States, in uh, the state of California. Okay, well, we'll definitely get, because we on, on the end of this, um, we'll have some show notes, and I'll certainly get from you, and we'll probably get them off, off air, I'll get, get some contact details. We do have a, a reasonable reach with these podcasts, so if someone's sitting there in Illinois or someone's in Manchester and they want to find those places, then we'll make that easy for them. Absolutely, yeah. So, so moving on, you've got your cube and your cove and your etch. Uh, tell me more. That's right. Yeah. So, um, so again, the the, the cube product um, is again like a, a wall covering. It's a it's a panel type product. Um, and the great thing about our products being polyester as well, going back to that, is that they are easy to cut. Um, so, for tradies on site um, who are installing this product, it's it's a really easy product to be able to work with to cut. It doesn't fray or, you know, break apart or anything like that. But cube is a really uh, nice kind of uh, wall covering, um, or it could even be fixed to a ceiling uh, cove that you mentioned. Just just pausing uh, on the cube for a moment. Hmm. So when when you're fixing it to a ceiling, how would you adhere that? I mean, you don't want it falling down. No, no, no. Certainly. Um, so it could be one done one of a couple of ways. It can be cut down and put into an existing ceiling grid. Um, it can be mechanically fixed. But, but obviously that may look a little bit uh, uh, having you know fixing points and things like that may look a little unsightly. But uh, the, the neatest way to do it is uh, to use like an adhesive, something like a you know contact adhesive backed up with a construction adhesive. So it just gives it a nice uh, clean uh, fixing without uh, having to see any sort of you know mechanical fixing screws or or anything like no, that. I agree with that. Yeah, terrific. Terrific. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, and and that's more solid than the, or more dense, for want of a better word, than the uh, than the other other ones we've just. Been it it about. is, yeah. So uh, composition um, and symphony they're supplied in in roll form. So obviously they are um, a product that can actually go around corners and things like that. So often in schools, people might want to put you know that kind of product around a column. So being flexible, it lends itself to that kind of uh, installation. Uh, the cube is is a much denser panel, so it it doesn't really lend itself to being um, going onto curves or anything like that. But the benefit is, as I said, it's easy to cut. And um, one thing that we're starting to see a real trend towards now is uh, architects and interior designers designing spaces where, like, cube might be used as part of a, a feature wall. So they want things cut into them, or they want to them cut into certain shapes. And things like that, and uh, products like Cube and the the Quiet Space panel, which I'll touch on, 
uh, allow you to be able to do that. And um, in Australia here, we've invested in uh, uh, some machinery to be able to help realise those kinds of design requirements that architects and interior designers want. So we have a, a water jet cutting machine and a CNC routing machine that enables us to be able to do all sorts of uh, really aesthetically interesting things with our products. Yeah, that would lend itself to logos and the like, obviously. Oh, absolutely. Logos, different shapes. Um, you know, if, if it needs to, like we've seen instances where people have wanted different colours of cube cut into different shapes and basically fitted onto a wall like a, just with swirls and shapes, yeah. colours together. So uh, whereas, you know, a few years ago we would have to say, well, you know, uh, you'll have to work that one out yourself to the contractor or whatever. We can now help come up with designs with interior designers and uh, come up with concepts. So uh, we can really respond um, to design requirements and market demands from um, uh, for those more aesthetic kind of uh, designs. Excellent. So I think also too one of the strengths of of these products, and, and I guess because sort of an extension of the polyester base is the ease of clean and I think that's particularly relevant as you described you know wrapping them around a column where people are going to be bumping and jumping um that that's ease of clean is a, is a really strong point that's right well we've worked uh, very closely with a company called ChemDry which um uh some people uh, may have heard of and we've uh had our product tested using all kinds of different uh, things, you know, different types of ink, uh, grease. Texture pens, or, I know that that works. Oh, yeah, textures and markers, absolutely. So yeah. um, essentially any type of um, anything that would cause a, uh, a stain or whatever, a blemish, we've tested it and we've got a, a very comprehensive cleaning guide to uh, to be able to help try and uh, fix those kinds of, uh, yeah, just tidy it up. Yeah, we certainly share that, that cleaning guide whenever we, we pass your product on and mm. it will certainly be uh, linked in the show notes as well. Very good. So I think more recently there's been a move to a 3D um, situation with your product. That's right. Yeah, well, again, um, talking about how designers and architects are becoming much more creative, particularly interior designers. They've been coming to us, obviously, with some, some more challenging concepts and, and having the machinery to be able to do it obviously just makes us a whole lot more flexible and a much more attractive option because... We're doing it all in-house and an architect or an interior designer will come to us and want, say, a, a wall tile, but they want it in a 3D a 3D look. And we do do a standard range, but we've had instances, Martin, where people have uh, said, we've got this particular design, we want you to do it. The 3D tiles are one of the two products that our New Zealand uh, cousins make for us, but, um, but essentially that's all done in-house. We make up a mould, a press, we can produce a sample and give it to the customer for approval. So and a few years ago, we couldn't do that kind of stuff, but Mark Robinson has really just seen that we need to be uh, uh, much more innovative in the way we do things and, and be really at the head of you know design innovations and design trends. So, well, I'm going um, to come back to that in a moment because mm. I think that's a, a, a really important thing and, and a strength of the company and something that I, I just by nature hold very dear. Um, mm. We're by our in our little company all about innovation, and we say you know, innovation in the ceaseless search for excellence. And I see a bit of that going on there too. But we'll stay with the products for a second, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. um, so otherwise, we'll get often some other little rabbit hole and never come out. Um, <laughs> yep. So typically with these 3D panels, what someone can actually come up with a 3D um, or a CAD, CAD design and give it to you guys and you can you can create something from there? Is that is that what I understand? Absolutely. Yeah, and we've done, um, certainly in my time uh, here in uh, at Ortex, here in Sydney, we've, we've had a, uh, two instances where people have come up with a particular design. We've uh, obviously we have to create a mould because the 3D tile is is basically just pressed uh, into shape. So we just have to create a, a mould for it to be able to do that. But that's that's a really easy process, and it's as simple as that. We can produce uh, produce samples and uh, and then do a production run very very easily. And whether they be ceiling tiles or wall panels, it's 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 all all the same to you. Huh? Exactly. Oh yeah. Look, from a manufacturing point of view, it's yeah much of a muchness one way or the other. So one of the ones that's turned up relatively recently, in, well, at least in, under my radar, has been your um, ceiling panels or fins. 
I think mm-hmm. I, I previously described these as as pe- pebbles in a river. You know, that yeah. they, they 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 break up the flow. Um, tell me a bit more about them because they look. Yeah. Some of them look really, really, really um, contemporary and cool. Yeah, well, so, uh, no, and it is. It's a good product. Um, so that product you're referring to, Martin, is called Frontier, and. Um, how that came about, just just quickly before I go into the product itself, um, you, you probably see in a lot of uh, environments that um, uh, in offices and schools, often there's not a lot of wall space to be able to um, treat a room acoustically. There's glass or uh, you know no ability to be able to put any sort of acoustic treatment on on walls. So you're really only left with with a ceiling to be able to to treat a space. So so that's where that, that was pretty much the genesis of of Frontier. Um, so it was a product that was developed by a, um, our design team in NZ um, and a lot of time was spent on testing uh, the product. So all of our products, um, just as an aside, we do have them independently tested um, by um, uh, uh, the University of Auckland and that's a whole other story about the testing process. But we do have our products independently well, go on, tested. Go on, don't, don't, just tell us a little bit more. Oh no! So yeah, so it's a company in NZ called Brands who who do our testing, and 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 they've got like a a, a proper facility to be able to to do testing in um, you know testing labs and things like that. That's B R A N D Z. B R A N Z. Oh, well, that makes sense. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I think I've come across them before when I've been working over there. So uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, so they do all of our testing for us. We don't do it ourselves because we want to keep it independent and and unbiased and so on. Um, but they do all of our testing for us, and it's a it's a very interesting process. Um, obviously, they just fire um, sounds at different frequencies into this soundproof room, and just test and measure um, how the product uh, uh, how the product works in terms of absorbing uh, reverberated sound and so on. Um, so that's quite an interesting uh, process. But a lot of time was spent on Frontier developing that product, understanding how it would perform and, and even little intricacies like how the depth of a fin, like the height of it rather, from top to bottom by increasing and decreasing and having certain undulations in the different shapes and designs, how that will affect the acoustic performance. That's, um, that's, that's, so a lot of time has been spent on it and we've seen a, a really positive uptake in uh, in Frontier, certainly here in Australia. it's It's been... Um, uh, installed recently, uh, there's a, a place at uh, Taronga Zoo um, who uh, they've built a visitor centre and we had a, a very large uh, frontier project going there. It was over $100,000 um, and it's in the shape of almost like, a, if you could imagine, a cobra's neck when their neck is, is fully extended and out. Um, it's almost like in the shape of that. Very, very cool. I mean, a lot of it lends itself to skeletal sort of representation too. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that there's all sorts of design potential within that system. There, there, there is. And, and again, um, one of the things that we hang our hat on is is the fact that we can we don't just rely on interior designers or whoever to come up with the design. They can give us a concept. And we have here in Australia in-house an in-house design team. So they can, through our specification reps, they can come to us with a concept and we can help flesh it out and work out the practicalities where you know it might work a little bit better so we're really part of that design process right at the starting point as well so yeah so that that's that's again that's something that we're really yeah well another uh, thing that we've we've had some some success success excuse me some success with after a couple of horrible failures was actually printing directly onto the onto the nude um Mm -hmm. which is a, a you know, delightful name for the um, products with, with, <laughs> with, without the composition, without the fabrics on them. That's right. And, and, you know, that's really nice because we've had situations where people have taken a group of their students, had them as a almost like a framed picture on the wall, but at the same time working as a sound absorption and, and, and getting a double advantage from from the from not only having the, an image that they would like to have up there, but the soundproof or sound sound enhancement at the same time 
Yeah, that's exactly right. So, um, and I mean, you're quite right there, Martin. We've seen our product. We don't actually do the printing ourselves. Oh, but, cool. Us, uh, we, we can, we can, we can manage that. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, certainly, if you have any printing needs, contact Monarch. But, um, no, no, certainly, we've seen where our product has been uh, printed on and so on. And I mean, you, you're right. It's not just there as an acoustic absorber, but it's also a you know a really uh, a nice decorative feature as well. So it serves that dual purpose really effectively. So workstation, what what's, hmm. what's different about a workstation? Uh, well, again, workstation is um, is just a, a much denser, rigid product. Um, it, again, all comes from uh, from the same base product, but essentially, it's even more dense than um, our cube product. Um, and it's designed, just as the name suggests, for workstations uh, to to be used by joinery companies and things like that. It's just a nice, easy product to be able to cut and and work with and fit into workstations, um, you know, desk so, so, so the, so things the, like the, that. The unique difference is probably its density, is it? It's just harder. That's exactly right, yeah. Mm. And again, one thing that um, uh, that all techs that we can do is uh, um, a lot of our panels, 2400 by 1200 is standard, but because we manufacture ourselves, we get instances where people will say, you know, our floor-to-ceiling is you know, say 2,800, we want to run these panels from the floor to the ceiling. We can custom manufacture lengths and widths and so on as well. So you're not just limited to a 2,400 by 1,200 sheet, whether you like it or not. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's 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 interesting. Great. Yeah. So yeah. so we do have those design flexibilities as well. We can actually, although it does logistically start to become a real problem, we have even had instances where uh, we've supplied panels uh, four meters long. Right. Um, so yeah, that produces some challenges logistically, but uh, but we have actually done that as well. So it, obviously, for the the man on site installing, uh, rather than having to butt join a whole lot of panels together, you can have less joins and more of more continuous panels. Great, excellent. So just getting back to, I think that's most of the products, isn't it? Ken, I think we've, we've... yeah, probably the only other product um, I, I would mention, and it sort of comes off of the uh, the frontier is a product called Lattice. And they're essentially some really uh, interesting um, suspended ceiling baffles. And they come in a few different um, uh, a few different designs. Um, but they're designed to be a, a suspended ceiling product. They can fix off the, uh, uh, the ceiling grid or directly off a plasterboard or concrete ceiling. Okay. But again... You've got quite a nice, clever little proprietary fixing for that. Is that right? That's exactly right, yeah. So, um, and it comes with the relevant fixings. It's a bit like an IKEA product, essentially, just without the confusing Scandinavian name. But uh, it comes as a flat pack, uh, pre-cut, so essentially you just slot all the pieces together. Uh, comes with the fixings, so it's a nice, like the peel and stick tiles. It's something that. Oh, and it does work. I mean, interestingly, I was in a, a a recording studio at the Macquarie University just the other week, and it was in place there. And the sound tech there couldn't speak highly enough of it. And this this is a room with I've you know spent eighteen to twenty thousand dollars on individual speakers, so mm. they're not they're not messing around in there. And, and they've used that product and are very happy with the effect of that product in a room that is designed to be um, being a recording studio. They, they've designed the, the acoustics in the room so that they can change the balance, the acoustic balance of the room. And they found these so successful in the studio part, they put them in their um, control room as well. So, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, no, that's, I mean, it's a really good product. As I said, it's an out of the, like, literally an out of the box solution. Um, very quick and easy to install. Um, and then just a couple of other uh, quick products in the, the remaining time I've got is uh, a product called. Oh, look, Cascade. Ken, you've got plenty of time. You're going oh, so well, you're getting your own podcast out of this. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Um, yeah, a, a new product that we're really excited about is a product called Cascade. And essentially, it is the Cube product that we discussed earlier. But essentially, we either just uh, router or water jet cut different designs into it so uh, it can be just a static you know cut out um and so on or we can actually water jet um and score oh, yes it. So i saw some actually... of this i saw some of this in auckland when i was in the head office over there and it was like it was quite sculptural in fact yeah exactly and and again um uh, we've got a, a very broad range of designs which were uh developed by our uh, our design team but uh, but again um we if someone comes to us with a specific design, we can um, obviously uh, help make that a realisation. But the good thing about Cascade is, is it's a suspended product, and 
its its primary purpose is to uh, help try and divide uh, an open space. So in a restaurant or a, a cafe, for, a, for example, if you wanted to have an area that's maybe designated for larger groups or a more intimate kind of environment, you could certainly use Cascade there as a decorative feature, but it also will help to absorb some of that sound and provide a little bit more privacy. I'm on your website now and I don't see Cascade there yet, so it's brand new. It's brand new, yeah. I mean, it should, uh, I would have thought it might have been there, but um, but yeah, look, it is literally um, literally brand new. Um, uh, we'll make sure we've got a link to that to add to the show notes. I can get that from you later as well, Ken. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, so obviously this whole design and innovation thing is a major driving force within Ortex. That's correct, yeah, because, you know, certainly, uh, you know, there are a lot of competitors from, from all over the world, and um, but, you know, we're investing in, in, in the right kind of people to help constantly be, be looking at, at new products and uh, be monitoring new design trends and things like that. Um, and and it, it really is uh, the way of the future. We just, we can't afford to uh, rest on our laurels for too long before we're either being copied or, or something like that. So can't afford to be complacent. No, no well, you can't. I mean, I, I always use the analogy is that being in business is, is, is immediately being a shark. Not that you're mm. actually out to bite and kill things, but just if you stop moving, you're going to die. And... That's exactly right, yes. <laughs> oh, that's, 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 that's good. Now, so, so internationally then, and, we, and we've got to always think international with anything uh, in this shrinking globe and with the benefit of the web, people can find us. Mm. Um where can they find find you easily, Ken? Oh, in terms of other locations, you mean? Well, physically, yes, and also online and whatnot. Twitter, um, do you have blog or any of that sort of carry on? Oh, yeah, no, so certainly, as I said, here in Australia, we have offices in, um, which are not just manufacturing hubs, they're also sales offices in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne and, and Perth, as well as Auckland. Uh, Huddersfield and also in the US but you can find um, if you were just to go to Ortex A-U-T-E-X Auckland uh, sorry Ortex.com dot A-U that is obviously the Australian homepage but that will give you links to our uh, our our cousins in the uh, different countries around the world so Fantastic. Well, well, again, we'll, we'll include that in the show notes. And Kim, we might, might wind this up here now if there's anything sure. else you'd like to tell me I'm, I'm open to it um, no, look. I think we've 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 pretty much. Uh, well, here's something. Actually, here's something that might be of interest. If you um, obviously you've along the line had to learn a lot more about acoustics. Are there any publications, or more interestingly, books, or particularly, um, or maybe even online places that people might want to go if they want to learn a little bit more about you know acoustics one hundred and one. Oh, look. Um, th- there really is a uh, a myriad of. Um, uh, articles, white papers, and so on um, online. Certainly, um, again, the University of Auckland, um, where we have a close association with, they've they've done a lot of uh, studies um, in acoustics, um, and not just purely just acoustics and how sound works and so on, but also the effects of of poor acoustics and and also good acoustics how that can help an environment but also uh the the UK department of education more so during the latter part of the the Blair government uh invest a lot of money in uh school redevelopment and and they produced which is still pretty much an industry standard a document called BB93 um which is the national standard for how a school should be um, and there's particular emphasis on acoustics amongst other things and uh, what learning outcomes should be as a result of a room with good acoustics so I'd probably direct you to uh, just as a at, at a glance or off the cuff to um, anything that's produced by the University of Auckland they've done a lot of work there but also for those who perhaps are more in, who are listening who might be involved in education and things like that uh, certainly the UK uh, Department of Education website has a, a very rich selection of uh, documents around good acoustics in education. And that BB93 document I referred to, as I said, that's still very much seen as a um, a, a standard um, unofficially for the way uh, we should be... Um, oh, we'll certainly get a link to that one too. Yeah, treating educa- uh, acoustics in education. But yeah, Ken, they're, they're two immediately off the cuff. Ken, thank you very, very much.
No, you're welcome, Martin. Thanks for your time. All right, there we go. So, so Ken, that that that's so fantastic. I'm actually going to what I'll do, and because that that was much richer and better than I hope to imagine. Oh, cool. Okay. So well done. Um, what I'm going to do is I'll pluck bits out of that for a short form, and I'll. Yep. But I'm going to. I'll do a minor edit on that just to get the pops and ums and butts and farts out of it. Yeah. And I'm going to do that as a, as a, as a one-off um, on its own um, as a separate podcast. Cause I think that was really good. Um, oh no, good. Well, yeah, I've tried to, as I said, like uh, obviously talk about why we do things yeah. the way we do, not just because we want to do it, but like, for example, with uh, frontier, I just think it's important. Like we didn't just do it because we wanted to, but the way architects are designing buildings there's not a lot of wall space to put stuff on so yeah. logically the only other place is the uh is the ceiling yeah so so what how much of a room i i think i got came across the number 60 percent at some point that you've actually got to affect with a, a absorbent or non-reflective um surface to actually have any control of a room at all do, do... yeah look that, that that number is is um is reasonably accurate it, it really depends though martin on the purpose of the room obviously if yeah. it's something like a um uh, like a, a primary school classroom or something, um, you'd certainly want to be looking at something like that because you've got a lot of uh, you know high pitched squeaky voices uh, <laughs> yeah, really. running around. And see, the thing is, like, I didn't even touch on it because it starts to get into um, you know uh, starting to sound a little bit too technical. But um, you know, high, higher frequency sound, how that can affect you know speech intelligibility and people's ability to understand how or you know what's being said to them as opposed to low frequency sound um things like that but uh so certainly getting back to your earlier question um yeah 60 percent would be ideal um particularly in an educa- in like primary school classroom for example if it's a staff room or a meeting room or something like that probably less so um but you can never really put a, a hard and fast rule to it because no it's, it's one of the difficulties with any acoustic treatment is you don't you can't really know what you've got with all the computer aid until you've actually done it, you know? It's, uh... Oh, that's exactly right. And you need to take into consideration, um, you know, if you really want to be scientific about it, um, not just the the materials in the room, like, you know, because obviously a, a room that's got carpet in it as opposed to a, you know, lino floor or concrete floor will perform differently, of course. Um, you know, how much glass is there, because, see, different types of material will absorb sound, like glass obviously is completely non-porous. Some timbers can absorb sound because they're slightly porous. So you can be really scientific about it. And one thing that we do is we can help um, design a, a room or as a, a retrofit. Uh, we do um, RT calculations. Um, RT so standing a, for? Yeah, uh, re- re- reverberation time. Exactly. Yeah. So, in other words, yeah. how, when you make the clap, how long before you hear it again? That, that's exactly right. So, we've had instances where people have got like a, a nice boardroom, and again, all reflective surfaces, and they've got this, you know, ten thousand dollar video conferencing system that they can't use because sounds just feeding back into the, you know, the the mic all the time. Hmm. Um, and so we can go in noting all the materials in the room and so on, and say, okay, by putting. 10 square meters on the wall uh, on the walls and then you know two square meters in the ceiling or a lattice it'll bring the existing reverberation time from 2.8 seconds down to one second or something like that so how's that uh, calculated ken i mean do you actually have to go and pop some balloons or whatever um no no so look it is it's a prediction test mm. um so we don't actually go in there with equipment and and so on um we've got a um, a, a software program which essentially is along the same lines as what acoustic engineers and acoustic consultants use and in the background we've got um, you know the sound absorption coefficient of different materials you know uh, typically like a carpet you know tile like you might get from Bunnings or something like that um, so we've taken some liberty with averages and things like that um, but it's it's a good indicator. But uh, essentially, it's a prediction test. So we'll say, okay, there's 50 square meters of carpet tile, and in the background, that carpet tile has different um, um, what we call uh, noise reduction coefficients or absorptions, for want of a better term, yep. um, at different frequencies. So there's a lot of information in the background. So when we put all of that 
detail, you know, like I said, carpet, um, timber chairs, all that there's in the background. And as I said, it is a prediction test, so it it will make a prediction. We predict based on all the information on hand that it's 2.8 seconds. For gotcha. Actually, one thing we didn't example. really address, and it was reminded me then when you mentioned low end, was um, underfloor insulation, um, particularly in, in, in cavities between um, dwellings. Mm. That's the green stuff, pretty much, isn't it? That, that's right, yeah. So, and so I didn't really even go into to branding as well, but our thermal insulation is all generally referred to as the green stuff uh, product. And, and initially, the, the, the term green stuff didn't really have anything to do with uh, sort of any uh, environmental um, marketing considerations. It was it was more just purely a, a more practical thing. We would go onto site and we'd have people say, "That's your insulation. It's you know, it's this or it's that, or we've lost it." By making it actually green, we could e- identify it much more easily on site. <laughs> okay. By having it a different colour, other than white or pink, um, or more so white, um, and then just sort of. Uh, by accident almost in in line with our the fact that we do recycle and so on it does imply that green good for the environment well, you've, you've got green tag classifications on virtually everything so that, that's exactly right that's one thing that we've we've spent a lot of money on um, we've invested in getting the testing done independently um, doing our research and and getting those critical associations and those tags and so on. So, and as you'd imagine, they're, they're not cheap exercises. But, but we think it's important that we, you know, have our name associated with those kinds of things, so that um, people aren't just taking our word, or we're not just saying, you know, believe us when we say this. We've spent the money, got the testing done, um, and and we've got those associations, those tags, and so on, to be able to endorse what we're saying. Oh, and wisely. So, so with with that low end thing, and as this footfall's most significant one, so that, that there's a thing that they refer to in terms of a weight, a weight or weighting on those products, which, from my understanding, is the is the cubic meterage. Um, so, if you get a twenty three kilo insulation it's not necessarily going to be 23 kilos to pick it up in fact it's going to be quite the opposite it's going to be 23 kilos for a cubic meter correct um so from what i understand there's a thermal and there's an acoustic differentiation between some of those products that's exactly right so i mean look any even if you were to use our our thermal insulation uh which has what they call an r value which is a thermal rating system if you really wanted to be scientific about it you know, it would have some sort of acoustic rating because it is porous, it can absorb sound. But we obviously blend it up in a certain way so that it's designed to minimise heat transfer or, you know, transfer of, of cold air and things like that. So th- there is a, a crossover and we've got some products that, uh, for all intents and purposes, they are a thermal product, but um, just by the way we, we blend it, it's essentially can double up as as an acoustic product alternatively. So, yeah. And, and what, what names do they go by, Ken? Oh, so um, the Sound Solution uh, product, which is a uh, uh, a product that we we normally put in the wall, and it can actually go into the floor as well. But if if that goes into the wall, our R three point five thermal wall bat essentially will uh, behave the same way as our um, Sound Solution. Uh, Sound Solution Three. Um, we've we've recently changed the name on that, but essentially, the two the, uh, are, what's the uh, NOC on that one? Um, it depends on what uh, frequency, but the Sound Solution Three, and I, I don't have the documentation, but essentially, I think it, it'll give you a an NRC of like 0.85 or something oh, that's like pretty that. Good. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, and again, just because of the the, the density on it, the loft, and because uh, obviously, as you would know. Um, when you start to compress those bats too much, they can start to, obviously, uh, their performance is is compromised because they're tested and, and rated based on a loft of, say, 90 mils. Mm. And if you compress it down to 70 mils, you're, you're not allowing it to absorb so much heat or cold or whatever. Um, so it won't perform quite as well as if it was at its full loft, as we say. Got it. All right. Well, well done. 
<laughs> no, 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 thank, thanks for that. Again, I, I just wanted to make sure that we were covering off on points that were interesting and relevant. Uh, yeah. So but, just, just, uh, just one last thing, probably. Yeah. I'll, I'll cut this around so it makes we don't have our chats necessarily in the middle, or or if we do, they they, they sound appropriate. Yeah. Um, if you were to go into a school hall, for example, and you mm. knew that they were going to be um, doing a, a lot more performance, a lot more um, dr- drama, for example, music. What would be some of the things you would suggest that they they initially look at from your product range? From from our product range, um, essentially to be about trying to treat uh, as much of the wall space as you can. Um, you know, obviously, if it's a school hall, obviously it often doubles up as a you know a place to do basketball and things like that. So, uh, putting something on the ceiling can only be seen more as a target for throwing basketballs <laughs> and things like that because. I remember I was a kid once, but uh, certainly putting things on the the wall because you think about it. If uh, if you've got someone on a stage, and particularly primary schools, they have low rise stages. As noise is projected from that stage, the first thing it's going to hit is the back of the wall. So, and then if there's nothing on that wall, if it's say brick or painted brick, perfectly reflective, that sound's going to bounce straight back. So, what you would want to try and do in the first instance to pick up that initial reflection is put something on the back wall if you can. Thomas Hassel Anglican School, uh, not far from here over at um, West Hoxton, uh, they have a really nice performing space and essentially they've put our quiet space panel at 25mm and 50mm. They've staggered that around the back wall. Uh, And again, it's just about absorbing those initial reflections of sound and stopping it from bouncing back or bouncing onto other walls. Yeah, certainly it's something we recommend done if you take a... Um, direct line from any speaker system. You can either point a laser at where that speaker is or, or even get a mirror, hold it up roughly where you think the speaker's looking till you can see that speaker in the mirror and put something absorption, absorbing there. That certainly improves the efficiency of a sound system as well. Oh, absolutely. And Because um, often people think if, if they put something around the stage that that will help reduce the sound. But in some cases, if you over-insulate acoustically the stage, um, you, you, you're reducing the uh, the noise travelling from the stage. So if you're watching a play or something like that, um, you're making it harder to be able to hear because those people who are saying their lines or, or whatever, that noise is being picked up even before it leaves the stage, if that makes sense, and, it does. and starts yeah. to travel out. Yeah. Because, so, you know, obviously you do want to encourage, particularly in bigger halls and things like that, you do want to encourage some reverberation so people right up the back can hear. So that's why I always say start with the back of the wall or the you know where that sound will originally oh sorry the back of the room rather the back wall to uh, just stop those reflections because from there if it's untreated it'll bounce off anywhere that it can until it loses so to to try and answer your question certainly start with the back wall and then and then the side walls after that just with some sound to be able to obviously treat it more people obviously in a room they do help to absorb sound as well but. But certainly that back wall is is where I always try and get people to start. Great advice. All right, Ken, I'll let you get back to your back to your day job and I guess no. I'll have to do the same. <laughs> no, fine. I appreciate your time, Martin. Thank you. Cheers, mate. So that was Ken Coleman from Ortex. Ken has since moved on, but the content of what he says is still sound. It's just been a bit of a delay on our part getting this out. I do apologise. But I hope you've enjoyed it. Many of these products are available through STM Studio Suppliers, and please call us. We're offering a 10% discount if you mention the podcast. But while you're there, or while you're on the STM website, please visit the toolbox. We've got a whole bunch of stuff in there that, uh, that might be of use for you, either acoustical or other areas of your performance space, and making it as good as we can help you make it. 